0: You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show.
1: Hello and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Watling and Owen Show. Surprise! Believe it or not, we've got two shows this week with the busy schedules that both Luke and I have. Happy to be here with you, Luke, on this, you know, cloudy—I guess you can call it—Tuesday. Uh, I know. We, I don't know why I'm talking weather. Yeah, we're a weather show. Like again, like the most it's a crutch that's what the day. issue is it's, it's the most mad day of all time and
0: you're you're leading with it I, I,
1: i'm cr- listen i i'm playing injured here my toe is, is stinging like you know you can't even imagine how much it hurts i might as well amputate it at this point but but regardless of that you also drop on me on the show here that kevin durant is just losing his mind on the twitter as we speak so i don't even right. know what his twitter handles i'm trying to find it as we vamp and, and I really wanted to start it's- today's show with the net, Mets rather, because it's a happy story. Like that's a game that's a significant win. If they end up winning the you know the World Series, this is a pretty monumental game for them. The way they came back from two nothing down after Scherzer pitches a great seven innings, allows no runs. You know Trevor makes two in the eighth, but then with the with one strike left in the game, kind gets aboard. You know an Arenado error. But we, we can't even start with that, Luke. We've got to start with the Nets and, and what happened last night. You know, the Celtics, like everyone, you know, not predicted, but was saying after basically game two, they won, right? The, the Nets are now gone. They get swept after a really tumultuous season, to say the least. And there's just so much there to unpack. I guess we start with the idea now that, are the Nets just going to go back and run it back again with this same cast of characters? You know, at least the same core of characters And how does that impact the team kind of moving forward?
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on today. You have uh, Ben Simmons and Rich Paul meeting with the Nets. And the reports that come out of that was uh, Ben Simmons telling Nets leadership that a mental block for him to play is creating stress and as a trigger point for his back issues. So uh, under that report uh, from uh, Sean Sharnia was also uh, the the antidote that – that's not the right word. What's the right word? What are you, what are you trying to say?
1: <laughs> Never mind. No, I under- was not listening to what you said. I'm no, sorry. I was looking irrelevant. at the Kim Grant Twitter page.
0: It's irrelevant. But the, the, the underlying uh, to that story is Nets players and coaches wanted Simmons to show, quote, resolve and play in this series, even if it was for limited minutes. So it's not good. It's Luke, not I got to
1: cancel you off the bat. I know you're talking and I, I don't okay. like interrupting you. But Katie did not go off on Twitter. Yes, he, what
0: do you mean? Oh, just kidding. Just
1: what do you mean? He he's made like three or four tweets. It's not that bad.
0: Yeah, but this is the first time that he like he gets eliminated from a series, and all of a sudden he's back on Twitter. Like he hasn't been on Twitter, and now he's yeah. Back. He
1: he said an army of producers against the God just another Tuesday because he was talking about how uh, he tweeted Charles Barkley or he put on Instagram a picture of Charles Barkley as a passenger uh, on the Rockets teams, and and Rob Perez said. It's okay to defend yourself, but he did it in the morning and giving time to inside the NBA producers to experience like the pettiness, basically. And he said, you know, an army of producers against the God, just another Tuesday. So I guess people are taking exception to
0: that. But I mean, well, then someone said calling yourself the God after this series is crazy. He said, I don't get, he said, I don't get why you guys are so mad at what I call myself. It's about good affirmations, right? Be happy for me.
1: I mean, I don't know why we don't have to be happy about it. You know, but he can affirm to himself that he's the god if he wants. It's a weird time to do it. But this is, this is what the NBA is at this point. It's, it's a drama, right? And it's exciting and it's fun. It's what people like. But some, I I just I wish you would take a bigger role in this Nets team, right? Because you know, maybe he's not the passenger, but is it safe to say Kyrie's driving the bus, right? Maybe he's riding shotgun. Maybe he's the co-pilot. But he's not taking the lead of this team. If he was, then he then Kyrie wouldn't be doing the things that he's been doing, you know. It just it, it feels like there's they're not gonna win a championship, like you said yesterday, Luke, if Kyrie's the guy making the decisions. And it seems, you know, like he's expecting to make these decisions come the off season.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the weirdest part because when you look at the team, like Kevin Durant should be the guy. You know, he should be the guy that's driving the ship. He should be the guy that's saying, you know, this is how it's gonna be. But Every step of the way, it's been Kyrie. Like, Kyrie's the reason why they went to Brooklyn and not anywhere else. You know, the Knicks were in the running, things like that. Kyrie said, I want to go to Brooklyn. KD said, all right, we'll go to Brooklyn, you know. They had, the you know, the whole issue with Kyrie not playing last year, and Kevin Durant was kind of silent about that. And then this year, the same thing happened, you know. James Harden kind of made some comments about it, but Kevin Durant, you know, refused to, to go back on his guy. But how long can Kyrie be your guy? Like, how can he not sit here now and say – Man, that's going to be a little bit of a stain on my resume. And I, I'm not buying into the whole, you know, Charles Barkley argument of like, oh, like his championships don't count, things like that. But it's definitely a stain on the resume when you're supposed to be, you know, the super team, this team that was built to win championships, and you're swept in the first round, the only team in the entire playoffs to not win a game, you know, save for the play-in games. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, it's troubling. And I think if you're Kevin Durant, you just look in the mirror and say, why am I hitched to this guy's wagon? And we even said it earlier in the year. Why is he so attached to Kyrie? Why is he not sat him down and said it can't be like this? Because if you're Kevin Durant, you can get anyone to come here. Like, at the end of the day, we see how the NBA works. James Harden said, I want to go to the Nets. He was in net, you know, by the end of the next week. Like, he can find other guys to be there. And I understand Kyrie's very talented. There aren't many point guards like him in the NBA. But the fact that he is going to die with Kyrie without saying a word is, is crazy to me. I mean, maybe they're just best friends. Is that it? Like... Maybe Which I just. But if you're being crazy, I'm not. I'm not gonna sit. I'm not gonna sit here and let you do it. Like I don't know. But I don't really understand. Like, how did they there? become
1: such good friends?
0: Kyrie's four years younger than him. Like
1: they never really passed the the same AAU circuit. You know, they weren't playing. They played Team USA together. I guess, but he played with LeBron in Team USA.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's true. But if Katie and LeBron went together, then the NBA would lose it. That'd be awesome. That could never happen. Oh, it'd
1: be so cool. (laughs) Can I also, like, just – this is a great time to bring up how, like, crazy LeBron James, you know, at at his peak was. Agreed. Like, the fact that he went to eight straight NBA championships and no one blinked an eye. And I understand he didn't win all of them. But the fact that he built some, you know, teams through turbulent seasons – two NBA championship games and to the series is very impressive.
0: Yeah. And I saw the, when LeBron was Durant's age right now, he was in the finals with the Cavs without Ky- uh, Kyrie or Kevin Love. And he scored 51 in a finals game. Like I'm I don't want to say Katie doesn't have that instinct, but he's definitely a little bit of a different personality than LeBron. I know LeBron's kind of laid back too, and he's a little bit corny on social media, but I think when it comes to it, LeBron will do anything to win, whether it be making the extra pass, you know, a lot of people clown him for that, but Look what happened to KD on the stretch yesterday. You know, the ball in his hands, he misses the second free throw, which could have at least guaranteed, guaranteed them a, a chance to tie the game, the next possession. And then he comes down and, and misses the next three. Like, he obviously wants to have the ball in his hands, and I, and I respect that, and I like that, but he, he kind of fell short. And I, I know he had a big game, but he shot 31 times. You know, he made 13. It's not the worst shooting performance ever, but... I don't know. It just felt like this whole series, there was just something missing with them. There really did. And I'd be interested to see what he has to say. He's,
1: he's an outspoken guy. I want to hear what happened this series. Was it as simple as the Celtics throwing, you know, 40 guys at him and really roughing him up? Was, you know, part of it, you know, Kyrie not stepping up in games two and three, right? We talked about how good Kyrie was in game one. They, they should have won that game, if, if we're being honest. You know, they were right there on the cusp. They had to make one defensive stopper, in my case, fouled him quick enough. Which I still think, if That's they right.
0: fell in that situation,
1: you know, things might have been
0: different. Yeah, because they've been so clutched on the stretch this series.
1: Well, Nick Nick Claxton
0: wasn't taking the wasn't going to take the shot. Oh, but what what if the Celtics turn around and fouled Nick Claxton?
1: Well, then you know what? The, then
0: I respect their effort. Or like Nick Clangston with those free throws, Nick Brixton, if you will. Yeah, the, uh, the you know what's crazy though, and I the, this whole narrative of like oh, this was the closest, like, sweep in NBA history. Like, don't give me that. Like, the point differential was, I think, 13. They lost by four the first game, six the second game, seven, and then one the first game. But, like, that, they, they, they the scores were not as close as they indicated. Like, the game that they lost on Saturday, they ended up losing by seven. It felt like they lost that game by 20. Like, I hate, like, people are like, oh, this is the closest sweep ever. Like,
1: You're don't give that me swept. that. Then
0: you should have won a game. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there.
1: What would be more embarrassing, and then we'll get to – uh who's at fault for this next season and, and the Nets debacle they put themselves in. Would you rather get swept like the Nets did or somehow get reverse sweeped if the Sixers have that happen to them?
0: Ooh. I think reverse sweep is going to be talked about more, I feel. I think that's because worse. I think that's worse. And I also think it's funny because after two games of that Philly series, everyone's like, the Sixers won the trade already. I was like, really? Because if the Nets were playing the Raptors, it probably would have gone the same way. Like, that matters. And now... You know, you have Embiid kind of subtly saying things about Harden in the media. Like, Did he really? I it's crazy. That. Yeah, so he after the game, he wasn't taking shots, but he said, like, we need the real James Harden here. We need the aggressive James Harden because Harden's been kind of deferring a lot this series. And now with Embiid hurt, like, Harden needs to have a big game. He has not had a big game at all in this series. And we'll talk about a little bit in man, but, you know, I don't think either team is, is thrilled right now with how things are going.
1: Noted playoff performer James Harden, which, you know, I wonder That's if right, the Nets guys. go back
0: in time do they make
1: this trade again. Or are they, you know, sitting James Harden down and saying, listen, we'll figure this out. You know, we'll figure this out. At least give us this year and try to win a championship with us.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, when you talk, the blame game, Matt, the blame game is is so interesting when it comes to the Nats. It really, because when you text me, that's a great idea. And I was thinking about that actually earlier. It's so hard to assign blame to this team because there's so much to go around. And I think, Honestly, when I think about you know Sean Marks, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Steve Nash, I feel like Steve Nash is honestly the least to blame. Like I know he had a rough postseason, but at the end of the day, he was handpicked by KD and by Kyrie to come into this team. And when you look at the rest of the three, it's hard to rank them. It really is, because I feel like it's a, it's a real cohesive effort in how this whole thing fell apart. But I think for me... KD is getting a lot of sl- a lot right now, a lot of slack thrown on him, and, and rightfully so. He's supposed to be the best player. I feel like Kyrie's getting off a little easy here. Like Kyrie was the guy that missed half the season. He's the guy that came into the playoffs, and you know, after that game one, he disappeared. Like we're talking about KD, Kyrie disappeared. Kyrie was outplayed by Seth Curry yesterday on his own team. Like he didn't step up in that game. So I honestly think Kyrie is is right in the mix for for the most to blame. But it's hard to look past Sean Marks, and I know it's so hard to, you know, control superstars in this era, but. If you're Sean Marks, I mean, he let the team get out of hand. Like, he he brought in Steve Nash. He brought in these aging veterans. You know, he was the one that traded away some of their young pieces. Like, at the end of the day, I know it's hard to stand up to these guys because you want them to play for you. But the fact that he let it get this out of hand, I think, is, is tough because he's a good executive, he's a good GM. But I think things got out of control. I 100% blame Steve, Sean Marks,
1: number one. It's not all his fault. But the fact, you know, you brought those guys in. You got them to, what, four or five-year deals, right? They signed a four-year contract you don't let them make that change after year two or after year one, was it right? Cause last year, Steve Nash was that head coach as well. You don't right. let them make that decision. You say, listen, we're doing it my way. You guys are the stars. I'll, I'll let you input into who we bring in. Cause who you think you can play with, but I can't give up the coaching staff because at this point, when you give up the coaching staff, you've given up complete control of what happens on the court. You lose that. And, Then you go out and you get James Harden, which is fine. And then, you know, and then if you're Joe Josiah, maybe you should have, you know, kept Kyrie off the court this entire season. Because if you do that, you know, maybe James Harden sticks around because you're getting at least some cohesion in your lineup. And you're not worried about when Kyrie is going to play, you know, every other game, things like that. So if I'm Sean Marks, I am embarrassed by by what I've done. And I sell this to say, if they would have won a handful of more games this season, if Katie would have stayed healthy... They probably aren't getting swept because they're probably not playing the Celtics in the first round. The team that is almost the the perfect, you know, team to upset a team like the Nets, if you want to call it an upset or to embarrass them. And then I look at, you know, Kevin Durant. I I think he's third on the list. I agree with you that Steve Nash is is basically a figurehead. He's like the queen or the king. He's a figurehead. He doesn't really matter. He doesn't do anything. And then you look at Kevin Durant and you say, if Kyrie's your boy and he's being – toxic and, and, and tanking this franchise which kind of seems like he did that you've got you've got to check him you've got to check your guy if you guys are as close as you seem then you shouldn't have an issue stepping up and saying dude like we can't do this you know like we need you to be better we need this team to be better and maybe we're not the ones that should be picking the players and picking the coaches
0: yeah and it's also wild that Kyrie comes out and says When I say I'm here with Kev, I think it really entails us managing this franchise together along Joe uh, and Sean Marks. Like, no, no, that's not what you're here for. Like, I'm sorry. And I understand, like, you know, the way that that things are. It's like, okay, I want my boys to come here. Like, we're going to play together, things like that. But no, at the end of the day, like Sean Marks needs to say, like, no, like, that's not how it's going to fly. Like, we've tried it. We've tried it your way. And if you're the players, how do you not see that? I understand they're going to be stubborn and they're going to say, no, we can do this. We can do this. But how do you not look at this and say, okay, we need some help. Like we need some good young pieces around us. We need guys that can help us win. You know, to be honest, when we're not playing, because Kevin Durant's not going to play a full season. Kyrie's definitely not going to play a full season. Ben Simmons, if he ever plays for the Nets, isn't going to play a full season. So we need guys that can carry the load for us, A, when we're in the game and we need some help, and B, when we're not playing. And they don't have that right now. And for Sean Marks, you have to sit him down and be like, guys – This isn't working. Like, it's insanity trying the same thing over and over. It's not working. We've got to try something different. And if Kyrie says, you know what? No, like, it's my way. Well, then show him the highway. Like, show me something and say, like, it's not working your way. So let's move you. Let's see if we can get anything for you at this point because it's just – it's a messy situation.
1: But you're trapped now. Like, you can't give up on Kyrie. He's going to be a free agent. He'll opt out after this year. You're going to sign him to a max contract, and you're going to hope that things work because if you move on from Kyrie – and, and maybe KD decides to go as well. Maybe he's like, I'm out. It's Kyrie or nothing. Well, you're bringing back a handful of picks, but those picks are not going to be good. And you've already lost your picks for the next, what, four or five years because of that Harden deal? Yeah. You've got to keep these guys until the James Harden, you know, trade is absolved. And now you've put yourself in a hole where you got to keep digging. you got to keep digging with these guys. And if they're the ones that have the shovel instead of you, you got to hope you stumble into some diamonds instead of falling, you know, into the, the earth's core because you move on from these guys and you're going to be more of a laughing stock than I think when you traded for Kevin Garnett and all them, because at least you, you, you had, you know, that was a bad trade, but you didn't have the talent here. You have the talent and you didn't do anything with it. And you've got to be better if you're the nets and you might have to bite the bullet and let Kyrie run this team. And hopefully he doesn't run into the ground because the other option is being horrible again for the next five six years and I don't know if Sean Marks can, can go through that again I don't know if, if he no. can withstand another couple of years of mediocrity until he gets the the axe because this is on him he brought these guys in he let them take over and you saw what happened out with the Lakers you know with Vogel getting fired and, and that team you know in the turmoil that it's in you know LeBron James isn't getting the blame it's the coaching staff it's the manager it's the GM. So that's, the I would say LeBron's getting Nets. a
0: little bit of blame. Well, I would say LeBron's getting a little bit of the blame. He's
1: getting blamed, but there's no consequences for him. He's not getting right. fired. He's if still he, going to be playing. If him, he wants shoot. a max contract, right. he'll get a max contract.
0: No, that's true. That is true. But yeah, I, it's really tough because, like, I say, like if Kyrie's not a good soldier, you trade him. Well, then KD's pissed off. Then he's going to want to leave. Like, then the whole thing blows up, and it's like, oh, well, we're back to square one. We've got no real young talent anymore. We've got to draft again. We've got to accumulate picks. And that would just be a crazy thing to go through. So it's, it's really – they're just in such a bad spot right now that, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if everything goes right, they're still a championship team. But it just feels like everything going right is, is impossible at this point.
1: Now, now, Luke, do you want to go Mets or do you want to go draft? Because you've got a, a juicy question to ask me
0: that I've been yeah, dying why I- to to. We could do Mets in like three minutes. All right. You know, we don't have to, you know, not three necessarily on the dot, but I think we can get through it, yep. you know, fairly quickly. All right, let's do it now then. Mets 13-5. and five.
1: What a win last night. I think that's really the story for them. No run sport for Scherzer, but they, they get it done in the the top of the ninth inning. Dom Smith beats uh, Gallegos to the bag for an infield single. That gives them the win. And then Mike, uh, Mike not Mike Khanna Isn't it Mike Conner? Mark. 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 I don't know why I wrote Mike. He reaches first base on a throwing error from Nolan Arenado with one strike left in the game. Uh, Escobar ends up scoring. That's really the difference, right? You got that lucky break. And through all the success of this team and the way they won that game, last year they're not winning that game. They're probably, you know, killing over and, and, and just giving up
0: pretty much. Yeah, and they've, they've found some really – I mean, like, Travis Jankowski has somehow been, like, and average Like he's been fantastic, and and I know the Phillies liked him last year, but he's kind of that role guy, and he's still going to be that. But I mean, hitting 318 right now uh, was part of that rally in the ninth. Like I, the one thing I have to say about this game and about this team, Dom Smith needs to be playing over Robinson. Cano every single day, it, it just can't happen. I know Dom's, you know, he's hitting 207, but if you give him consistent at bats, he's going to be far. Robinson Cano he is he's been horrible I don't know how long the Mets can I don't know what they're gonna do with Robinson Cano because they owe him a lot of money so it's hard to just you know cut ties with him and move on but you've got to try something to to just not have him playing every day and hitting like fourth or fifth like that can't happen I understand there's respect for Cano he's had a really great career but at this point it's it's over and you saw Dom Smith I understand it's not like he had a big you know home run but you know showing the hustle to get to the base, you know, he's a guy that's been through the ringer with his franchise. And I think he deserves to have that chance to to be the everyday DH and to get him some, you know, playing time at first or in the outfield or whatever, but he needs regular at bats. It really reminds me of, you know, when Clint Frazier was with the Yankees, like he could never get consistent at bats. So when he failed, it's like, it was like, you know, it was like a microscope. It was zoomed in. It's like, Oh man, he stinks. But it's like, does he stink? Or is he not getting enough at bats? Turns out Clint had a, a, a multitude of other issues, you know, medical and things like that. So it didn't work out. But, you got to give Dom Smith some more chance.
1: He, he needs them,
0: right? And, and you look at Cano, he's a guy that can
1: – he can come off the bench. If you want him to pinch hit for you, like, I understand that because he's been in the league for so long. He knows how to, how to work his mind into getting up for those kind of at-bats. Now, I don't even think there's a, a guy on this team that I want to pinch hit you know, and replace for Robinson Cano except maybe the catching situation. But yeah. for Robinson Cano to have this long a leash, I think it just comes down to winning. Because I think if you lose that game and Cano ends up being that penultimate out, going 0 for 4 in the game, hitting 184 this season, you, you can't let him be the guy to DH because he's not the reason you lost, but he didn't help you. He was 0 for 4 last night, and, and that's that. and the bullpen are the two issues this team has, and I wonder if it comes down to crunch time, come playoffs, come August even or spring or uh, September, who does Buck Walter go with? Does he keep going with Kano? Or do you sit Kano down in a
0: must-win situation? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, maybe for now, just because he's a veteran guy and I know Buck, you know, knows the game and things like that. You know, he probably respects him to a certain degree, but you can't hit him fifth or sixth. Like, you got to move him I think he the was sixth last night. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, I'm not saying Don Smith is going to come in and be great, but I think he has the potential there and he's a younger guy. Like, I just want to see him get a, a full chance. Uh yeah, he was hitting six, six last right. night. Yeah, so I mean it's not terrible. But but you've you got two uh, guys
1: that are hitting over three hundred behind him. And I don't know if that's the Mets saying let's get some guys that can get on base at the bottom of our lineup to to jump start the top. But you look at the situation they were in yesterday. Would you rather have Cano with one out, or would you rather have, you know, Mark Connor or, or McNeil up in that situation? Right? Like you want those guys yeah, up definitely. because they're they're the ones getting on, on base.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, you asked like uh, on the rundown, does it feel like both New York teams are wait till playoff kind of teams? Uh, what Do you mean like, you know, nothing's going to matter till they get to the playoffs? Or what's that? What's that question exactly mean? Because well, wh- how I read it was like, they're going to be in the playoffs. Like, we'll find out then what they are. Well, the Mets are 13 and five. They've got the best record in baseball. But everyone's waiting for that shoe to drop.
1: So do we yes. just skip past the incredible start that they're having and wait until they fall off or wait until the playoffs to see what they do? Or, you know, can we say, this is really cool what they're doing, you know, because the expe- the expectation was they make the playoffs with the money that they put into this team. Do you-, do you care that they're 13 and five and have the best record in baseball? Do you care, you know, for the Yankee side that they're competing to be, you know, the, the, the winner of their division with the, with the uh, Blue Jays, or is it, you're going to make the plus anyway. I want to see what you do there.
0: I think for the Yankees, yes. I think for the Mets, no, because I want to see them do it. Like, if they don't make the playoffs, like, it's like, oh, man, like, the start actually didn't matter. You know, a lot of people referencing uh, 2018 when they had the great start and kind last of collapsed. Like, yeah, or last year. Like, I want to see the Mets make it through the summer. Like, the summer is where it feels like everything's falling apart. And it's weird because they get the juice behind them. The crowds are, are getting larger. You know, people are going out to see them. And somehow they kind of collapsed a little bit towards the end. So I think for the Mets, like, I I still expect them to make the playoffs. And I'd rather see them start hot than not, for sure. But I do want to see them sustain, you know, a full season. I know it's a different, completely different team than it was last year. But I'd like to see them sustain because they're not a team that's historically in the playoffs every every year like the Yankees. Where it is, you know, let's see what happens in the playoffs. For the Mets, it's like, let's see if we can sustain this for an entire year and make the playoffs first. For sure. For sure.
1: And it'll be exciting to see. I think this is certainly a different team. With the Mets, you never know what happens. You can't be like, hey, we need a World Series or nothing because it's the first year of this team. But why don't we move on to some teams that aren't as talented as the Mets or the Yankees and get to the NFL draft, Luke? And I've been dying (laughs) since you texted me this to know what the question is. So what is your question for me regarding
0: the New York football Jets? Jumping right into it. So I was was thinking about this at work. It's not a mind-blowing question, but I think it's a good conversation starter. So I'm thinking about the Jets. And obviously – the fourth pick, a lot of debate going on. You know Sauce Gardner, uh, Thibodeau. There's a lot of other, you know, edge rushers in the mix there. We'll see what the Jets do it for. My question is, Matt, come Thursday night, do the New York Jets control the 10th pick? Are they making that pick for themselves, or is it gone away? Is it either traded back, you know, for a package? Is it traded for, you know, a number one receiver, whether it be a Debo Samuel or someone else? You know, are the Jets going to be making that pick at 10 on Thursday?
1: I think they make it. I don't think they want to make it, but I think when you look at the landscape of the trade market, the Niners don't want to trade Debo Samuel. They were asking for two first-round picks. That's ridiculous. That's, that's, that's a lot. I'll give you the 10th yeah, and, and a fourth, or I'll give you what the, the Jets had in mind for Tyreek Hill, but I won't give you multiple first-round picks. That's just that's insane to me, especially the 10th pick where you're basically you know, drafting a replacement for Debo Samuel. And if you still have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo... Well, he can make a good receiver, right? He, he's not a great quarterback, but he's enough to est- establish enough to be able to throw the ball to these guys, you know, so you can give them some time to grow. I think they make it. I don't think, you know, you look at the other teams, you know, DK Metcalf would have been an awesome opportunity. I would have traded the 10 for him in a heartbeat. He's not going to get traded. So I think the Jets go receiver at 10. And I'd probably go receiver with either the 38th or 69th pick as well. I think you need two rookies out of this draft class to hope that one of them kind of can jumpstart a little bit quicker. You know, I like yeah, the weapons they needed really- but they needed need another difference maker. And I just don't see how you're getting that, you know, in the trade market this year.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Unless something crazy happened where like an A.J. Brown was actually available or something like that late. Uh, I think they'll probably make the pick. The, the question then becomes, you know, I think receiver at 10 is pretty much a lock. It feels like, you know, whoever they want. Uh, At that point, I I was looking at a mock earlier that I'm taking Jameson Williams, uh, which would be interesting is weird because he's not 100 percent. Yeah, they had um, they had Drake London going eighth to the Falcons, uh, Garrett Wilson then going ninth. Well, that was the Mike uh, Forio mock draft, right?
1: Yes, I I don't trust it. He also had Kayvon Thibodeau dropping to like 13 or 14. Oh, no,
0: this was the. Oh, yeah, it actually was. But he did. have. Or this might be Peter King. Oh, Peter Peter King. King. I'm sorry. Who's also – who is the, um, the clown I was thinking of? Yeah, Peter King. But they do have him taking Sauce Gardner. I think Sauce is probably going to be the pick at four, and I, I like that, honestly. I think they need a, a number one corner that can shut down, especially in the division right now with, you know, so many good receiving weapons in Miami and Buffalo. Uh, you know, not so much in New England, but I, I like that pick. And then with the 10 – you gotta go receiver. I mean, I like Drake London a lot. Um, I'm interested to see how he translates. I think Garrett Wilson's gonna end up being the best receiver in this in this class, and we'll find out. I mean, there's there's so many. It feels like this is a, a receiver class and a draft class in general. Honestly, it feels deep at a lot of positions, but it doesn't feel like there's that like number one definite star. And it'll be interesting to see kind of who emerges from from the receiver group as being the best. Right.
1: And I, at first, I was very high on Drake London. I, I think at four, first of all, you either go with uh whoever you like better in sauce Gardner or uh in edge rush whether that's Kayvon Thibodeau, whether that's Aiden Hutchinson or uh whoever else is in that mix on that defensive front, if you like one of those guys better than Sauce, you can go there. But if Sauce is your guy at four, I don't see an issue taking him because, you know, he can buy time for that front to to go out there and make a difference and get those sacks, you know, those coverage sacks, so to speak. And it seemed like from what Rob saw said ages ago, they don't really like anyone they don't see anyone as like a joey bosa type in this draft so maybe they they punt for that until you know next year you spend more of a uh, free agency premium on a position like that but i don't really love drake london anymore i was very high on him i like the size but i'd be terrified that he doesn't have that speed to create separation and sure he can go up and make contested catches but don't you need to create some sort of separate just to get open Right? Don't you need some yep. semblance of, of openness That's true. for Zach Wilson to make that throw and to have the confidence to step up and get
0: that ball to you? That's true. But also, you know, people said the same thing about DK Metcalf, and he figured it he's out. Fast, so though, isn't I, he? I he's got some he speed. is fast, but a lot of people said he was too big to be fast when he was coming out. But yeah, I mean, Drake London. I don't think you he didn't run a four uh, a forty at the combine. Uh, he's been hurt, so that that plays a factor too. But I my whole thing was like, you know, we can sit here and speculate and say, oh, I'd like them to go with this. I would like them to go with this. I think positionally we definitely are qualified to say like this guy this guy but joe douglas has to nail whatever receiver he takes like he has to nail it and i know you said you know you can have that contingency guy you can take you know another receiver but you know in this groups of receivers like he's got to pick the right one like it's a lot it's a lot of pressure on him this year to really nail this draft to really sure up this roster because you know last year they played a ton of rookies you know they got a little bit of experience and i think next year they're going to be better you know they're going to get some some even better pieces around them but at some point, you know, it's got to kind of all come together. And I know it's not going to be this year, obviously, in terms of the playoffs or a championship run or anything like that, but this is a huge draft for Joe Douglas. It, it can't miss. You've got, you need to have four legitimate
1: impact starters at the start of the season that you drafted this year. You have the four, the 10, the 35, the 38. They've got to make, they've got to be significant players on this team. You know, the Giants, five, seven, 36, all need to be significant. You know, you look at who the Giants got uh, a couple of years ago, Xavier McKinney out of Alabama with their, with a, uh, I think it was like 33rd pick. That's the kind of quality guy that these teams need to draft in that early second round. It's a deep draft. It's not super talented, like you said, Luke. But both of those teams need to grab someone that's talented like that. If, I, if I'm the Giants, though, it's tough because, you, you, you know, the question could be, do you try to trade one of these picks for a first next year? Well, if you do that, I think you're punting yeah. on Daniel Jones. Yes, 100%. And can you afford to with what John Mara said, you know, we've basically screwed over Daniel Jones since he got here. Can you afford or are you even allowed to do that?
0: Yeah, and, and that's, that's a big question because they've got to decide what to do with his option and you can't it's ex- almost, you can't it, extend him. It, you can't, but it's putting him in a real bad spot if you're like, we're going to trade out, we're not going to help Daniel Jones. We're going to try to work for the next guy, but that's the NFL at the end of the day. Right. But I think the Giants, I mean, there's obviously pressure because they got two top ten picks, but I think at five, there's there's a nice slew of of offensive linemen that are going to be available. I think. I mean, Charles Cross is going to be there, possibly Evan Neal. Like, there's some good options there. I, I don't think Iquanu is going to drop that far because I think I think most people now regard him as the number one in that group. But I think you're going to get a nice you know offensive lineman at five, which they need. And then I mean, this draft has them taking Kyle Hamilton at seven which I don't hate, but the Giants have so many holes. They really do. And I think Kyle Hamilton, it scares me that he's going to turn into a Jamal Adams type because you know we we saw it with – who's the guy the Cardinals drafted? Simmons uh, out of Clemson, who's kind of a hybrid situation. And he's a good player, but it's almost like would you rather have an elite safety or a guy that's an above-average safety and also kind of a linebacker? And I'd almost lean just having an elite player at one position. So I wonder if Hamilton – you know, he's got all the skills, but I wonder, you know, can he, can he be a good hybrid? Cause it's hard to be a really good hybrid. You know, we see with Jamal Adams, he kind of lacks it in the secondary. What, you know, he's a good pass rusher, but then if you're not good coverage safety, it's like, you know, is it really that much of an advantage? Right. For sure. And, and you want to talk about, you know, hit rate when you get a guy to a second contract, that's what
1: you consider a hit. Jamal Adams wasn't a hit for the jets. You know, he turned into good pieces, but. You, you didn't hit on him because you didn't sign him to another contract. And these are the kind of guys, you know, that you sign to a second contract that create Super Bowl winning teams, right? That's what you build off of. Not through free agency, but through your homegrown guys that know the culture, that have been instilled in the proper team. And, and one guy that, that leads me to, and we'll get to this briefly before we go to Ironman Rush Luke, is Kadarius Tony. You, you can't trade him. I know you could be offered, if you're offered, you know, a top 10 pick, you, you have to move on from him, right? But yeah, that's a guy that you you invest a first round pick on. It's not your pick, but you need some cheap talent. You need some guys to, to, to make to be on this roster. And the more you ship out guys that weren't that are on their first contract that they don't get to that second contract, then you turn into the Jets and what they've been over the last five years, which has been horrible. You you can't get to that point if you're the Giants. And you know, good for Kadarius Tony for showing up, albeit late, to voluntary workouts. Because he's got to get his act together, right? I don't know what the issue is with him. You know, he just seems like a, a bad attitude kind of guy. But he's got to figure it out because he could be very special in this offense, regardless of who is that quarterback for this team.
0: Yeah, 100%. He's the guy you want to keep, but it's, you know, for how long? You know, how long is, is the leash going to be? And in year two, you know, you say he's got some time figured out, but, you know, it's not – not the new regime's guy so that kind of factors in too but i mean you want him on the team he's whenever he has the ball in his hands he's electric when he can stay on the field when he's uh, you know showing up actually so no i agree unless they get a big package which i think they didn't i think that's why he came to camp because he's like oh wait no one really wants to trade for me well i better go play and if i want to eventually be traded i can increase my value now but yeah i think right now around the nfl people are like yeah he's a good player but you know, he's not worth it for, for what comes with him right now. So, if, if he can figure it out, that's going to be a great piece for them offensively because they don't, you know, Saquon Barkley's kind of lost a little bit of a step, it feels like, since the ACL injury. You know, Tony could really be their most dynamic offensive player with the ball in his hands if he can figure it out. And I, I hope he does. He's a fun player to watch. But, I mean, right now, I think the Giants are like, man, like, the attitude's definitely an issue. And I don't know if Gettleman just didn't realize it or just looked past it or what. But, I mean, that that's kind of a, a rough miss, you know, <laughs> It's like the Gettleman gifts just just keep on coming for the next for the next guys to take over, and it's it's a tough situation.
1: Especially when you look at Micah Parsons in your division, right? A guy that you could have had at that yeah. pick. Which you look back now, maybe that's the guy you should have went with and not traded back, because you've got Kadarius Tony, who might be out of here for a second or third round pick, and you've got the seventh you know seventh overall pick, which you know at the time seemed like a great deal, right? We're talking yeah. you know during the season, man, they're getting a, a, the seventh pick for basically nothing from this Bears team, and you look at the draft, <laughs> and there's some nice players, but there's nothing, you know, tremendous. No. There's nothing and super And that's why, special. you
0: know, you, that's why you posed the question, you know, do they eventually trade for, you know, for next year? And I, and I wonder, but also, you know, is there going to be a team desperate enough to get to seven? You know, is there a team that, you know, absolutely loves a quarterback or maybe one quarterback goes off the board a little early and they want to trade up, something like that? So that's going to be the question is, you know, is anyone going to love that pick enough to trade a first rounder next year cuz the Bears did it and they got, you know, a guy they want to be their franchise quarterback in Justin Fields but you know the question is does anyone have that same feeling this year?
1: Maybe. Maybe you could find someone to trade up to 5. If someone wants their pick of the quarterbacks at 5, you know, to skip the Panthers, that's where I could see something happening. Maybe Seattle does Seattle? Do you think Seattle is so desperate for a quarterback? I mean, they seem to like Locke, and they they just re-signed Geno Smith. Could it be Atlanta? Could Atlanta That's, skip over? You know, maybe do they Atlanta, want to jump frog the Panthers.
0: Uh, I saw, I saw someone with kind of a hot take. They thought New Orleans would try to trade up, and, and, got and grab Orleans. a quarterback early. Yeah, so could you could you move back to sixteen and then get a first next
1: year as well? Which is the six? Is the is next year's first even valuable from the Saints?
0: I know that. Well, yeah, for the Saints, yeah, that's going to be the question. But, I mean, you look at the – I know the class next year. I mean, you got the two big quarterbacks at the top. So it is, it is going to be a, a game. But, yeah, I don't think the Saints are ever going to be as bad as the Bears were last year because I think they're – you know, the roster is too talented. I mean, they almost made the playoffs last year. I know they're, they're losing Sean Payton, but I don't think they'd be right. necessarily a top five pick next year. But even year. if you're getting the 15th pick
1: from them for next year, let's say, you know, an average first-round pick and you have your own top ten pick, you know, or a top seven pick if you're the Giants, maybe you can, can leave, you know, package those
0: two in another one to go up there and get, you know, a top three pick to get your pick of the litter yeah.
1: quarterback wise.
0: No, that's true because you could see a team like the Jags stink again and they're probably not going to move off Lawrence that fast. So they could be a team that you could trade up with. Maybe, you know, the Jets have another bad, like teams like that, like where they, they think they have their quarterback, but. Yeah, so it, it's certainly
1: possible you could do that next year as well. A lot of teams looking for quarterbacks next year, and, and I'll just tie a bow on the draft. I yeah, mean, you've got the, the Lions are feasibly looking for a quarterback. Depending on what the Panthers do, they could be in the market for a quarterback. The Falcons could be in the market for a quarterback, but it seems like teams aren't willing to, to wait that extra year. You know, we talk about the Giants when they drafted Daniel Jones. If they waited that extra year to get Justin Herbert, you know, and, and granted, Gettleman was much more safer in his in his job than you know a, a team out in Carolina, for example. But if I'm a yeah. team like Atlanta and I'm Arthur Smith who just got that job, I'm saying, guys, give me one year. Let me get a C.J. Stroud or the, the kid at – or Bryce uh, – what's his face out of uh, Bryce Alabama. Young. Like give me one Bryce more young. year because these guys are okay. But these guys, these guys are special. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and with yeah that, no, I totally get that. And with that, Luke, why don't we
0: uh, kick it to you for Odd Man Rush. All right, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. Uh, Odd Oddman Russell, we'll keep it brief. It is already 3:07. Uh, uh, we got to start saying, "Hey,
1: we end it at uh end at 3 because we just did we don't." Yeah. Okay.
0: It's a good point. Uh, but we talked about it earlier. The 76ers dropped game 5, 103 to 88. Rough game for them. Even without Fred Van Bleet, the Raptors came out and, and, and took it to them on the road. So, uh and Bede, uh, was asked uh, after the game about uh, James Harden and, you know, his, you know, he's been okay, but he hasn't been great. Um, and he said, uh, oh, I'm trying to find the quote. This is bad. This is what, what happens when you know, prepare your, uh, your stories ahead of time. This is wild. So he was asked after the game uh, about James Harden, and he kind of said, uh, he, you know, he's got to be more aggressive. He's got to be the James Harden that we wanted uh, when he came in. He said he said repeatedly since Harden was acquired for Ben Simmons at the NBA tra- uh, trade deadline, that's up for Doc Rivers to make that happen. Uh, he said, that's not really my job. That's probably on coach to talk to him and tell him to take more shots, especially if they're not going to guard me the way they've been guarding. But that's not really my job. So kind of a subtle nudge, like, hey, James, like, you're a star on this team, too. Like, I can't do it all, especially with, you know, my thumb, you know, out of its out of its joint. Like, we need you to, to step it up here.
1: That was also a shot at Doc Rivers, wasn't it? Didn't he just say it's yeah, up to Doc Rivers definitely. to get that to happen? I mean, I'm pretty sure yeah. James Harden decides when he shoots the ball. No, you're not so right. I, I hope that implodes, too. That'd be awesome. How great would it be if neither team, like, if both teams oh, man, just, if both teams are terrible. Uh, that'd be incredible. That'd
0: be awesome. It's really it's really interesting because I know the Sixers are, you know, Embiid's their focal point. He's homegrown. But think about it. The Nets are out. Uh, if the Sixers were to get bounced, like, the Bucks are a homegrown team. The Celtics are a homegrown team. Like, a little bit of a shift, maybe, in dynamic. And, you know, obviously, it's not the case all around the NBA. But sometimes it works to be patient. Sometimes it does You got to hit. Yeah, the Suns. I mean, Devin Booker. I mean, they kind of brought on Chris Ball. Yeah, but Chris but Ball's yeah, old. Booker, like, Bridges. do you really count him as – Yeah, that's like, true. He's good. Grizzlies he... are homegrown. The Timberwolves are homegrown. Yeah, so it's, it's maybe a shift in dynamic. You got to hit your draft picks, though, mm-hmm. you know, the Knick, at Knicks. Well, if you, if had if had you stink picks, long enough, have... you should have
1: – I can't believe that the that the Sixers aren't better than they are. After all the fir- the high first-round picks they've had the last, you know, five years, like through they that process. out. But how bad? How bad are you as a as a talent evaluator, that you you go with Ben Simmons who couldn't shoot the three, Markel Fultz who forgot how to play basketball, and and yeah. Joel Embiid who was hurt for two years.
0: Yeah, I know. That gets lost in the shuffle. Like Embiid just didn't play for like two and a half years. But he also was, career, wasn't he so. relatively new to basketball too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, when he came out of Kansas and he was he was dealing with like leg injuries before, so I think they kind of realized that was going to happen and. That, it worked out with the plan. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they definitely did not hit. Who else? the I mean, Noel was in there. Who was the one? Uh, Julio Okafer? Yeah, Okafor. I mean, they had a lot. Like, number one picks, number three picks, four picks. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they could have had Jason Tatum on this team. Uh, but, instead, they took Markel Fultz. That was a weird draft in general because Lonzo Ball went two. Um, but, you know, Hanson said it's 2020. I don't know if you heard, Matt. Gary Batman has a new name. It's Gary Batman. It was coined to him by uh, President Biden. That's awesome. At the uh, Lightning uh, Trophy, i uh, not Trophy presentation. They, you know, they go oh, to the White Champion House. Visit. They, do, they do whatever they do. Uh, they the White Victor House. Hedman laughing in the background. It, it was pretty funny. It was it was a funny moment. I, I gotta watch this year. I'll watch it later. I can't watch it
1: while we're on on radio. Yeah, he, it, on I'm Twitch. surprised you haven't seen it yet. No, I I heard about it. I read a story on on the whole, you know trip that they took. This is the first time that Tampa's ever been able to go because the 0-4 lockout kept them from their championship back in, in, in that time. Oh yeah, and
0: then COVID Then COVID yeah. for,
1: for last year. And and now they, they didn't even get to go during their two trips to the to, yeah, to say the say, capitals. They had to this figure is late it out in the weird. year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they got a playoff run coming yep. up. So uh matchup with my um, Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right. Our Toronto Maple yeah, right. Leafs. Uh, we'll move on talk some more football. Uh, ja- uh, reported out of uh, Pro Football Talk, the Jaguars GM Trent Balke wants past rusher uh, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia with the number one pick. However, the Jags owner, Shad Khan, wants Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. So, you know, obviously around draft time, there's always, you know, questions like, is this just a smokescreen, whatever? But Trayvon Walker has emerged as a minus 200 favorite to be the first overall pick uh, in the draft on Thursday. A little bit surprising, honestly, to me, you know, a guy that has all the measurables but doesn't necessarily have the numbers to back it up in college. But uh, it feels like a risky pick for the Jags, a pick that they kind of have to get right on the defensive side of the ball, too. They certainly do. Do you say it was – who was it reported by? Uh, I think it was Pro Football Talk. No, it was Pro say. Football Network. Pro Football Network. Is that a thing? Sorry. Pro Football Network? Yeah. Is it, they're, it, they're a thing on Twitter. I've
1: never heard of Tony Pauline who reported it. Okay.
0: All right, so it's Fraud. No, he's got 40,000
1: followers. I just don't know what this is. Okay. I'll, oh, fair. they had Trey Wingo on. So maybe they are pretty legitimate. Uh, Pro Football Network. <laughs> I just... <laughs> there we go. I, this is a crazy report, if it's true. And we'll never know. You know, I guess Schefter's not getting this scooper or something. But if you're the owner and you're butting heads with your GM like this, the guy that you've gone to task for right, and kept around for so long, how are you not deferring to bulky? Like, how, why are you the owner? Why do you get to pick who your players? Like, no good team has an owner that picks their players.
0: That's true. I
1: mean, they're gonna have it. They're always gonna have an input, but you don't gotta listen to them. You shouldn't. And if you do, you're a clown. No. So we'll see what happens on Thursday yeah, night. I,
0: yeah, it feels like the. I mean, I know it's not necessarily true, but it's the first time in a while it feels like where the number one pick is kind of a toss up. Yeah. Like yeah, you know, last sure. year we knew. Like it's actually gonna be interesting to see. I don't need the ten minute countdown. And I was looking at a. Uh, uh, a tweet from one of the Bills beat writers that the 25th pick last year was at 11.20 p.m. I mean, You're not going to make it. <sighs> I don't know.
1: You know. I will say, though, I'm excited for this 10-minute countdown because uh, Caroline's got her her, band, her jazz band concert on Thursday.
0: Uh, so you'll I have, think it uh... ends at
1: like 8.30-ish. So I'll be right in line for the Jets pick.
0: There we go. So let's, get, let's get the uh... chair
1: back. Let's have a couple people sit in the chair. Let's, let's, really, let's really drag this thing out so we, we can get, you know, so I can see what happens to the Jets.
0: Uh, uh, Last story of an odd man, J.R. Smith, a really cool story. He gets a 4.0 GPA and wins the uh, North Carolina A&T Academic Athlete of the Year. You know, played for the golf team. Uh, was, he was tweeting about his homework a lot. It was a really cool story to follow. And good for him, 4.0 GPA, nothing to, to, uh, to scoff at. So good job, J.R. Smith. So you're approving him tweeting out about a GPA?
1: And flexing his grades. So
0: a lot of people were coming at him because he did misspell in his tweet, which I kind of felt bad about. Uh, he spelled uh, – what was it? Do you remember what it was? Uh, I don't think I saw the tweet. I'll try to pull it up here. So he tweeted – okay, here it is. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if I'm being honest at all, I was terrified. I'd oh, yeah. T-A-R-I-F-F-E-D. You terrified. Yeah. To, to go back to school, literally these assignments still make my, ha- uh, my head sweat overcoming these fears of being vulnerable and open about my disability. have given me real power, power. No one will ever take from me. So, you know, he mentioned, I don't know what disability is mentioning, but like, you can't bash the guy for, for that. I don't know. Twitter's a bad place. No.
1: And, and I think I saw someone tweeted, he can literally pay someone to do his homework for him and do everything for him. I don't think that's the point of him going back to college. No, he didn't go to college. No, would like, he doesn't do need a degree. Yeah. He doesn't need to go no. play golf for North Carolina. Uh, A&T, the, the beauty of this story is that it's a guy that doesn't need college going back and getting an education. Like, that yeah, that's a cool part of the story. And the fact that he's got a 4.0, like, he deserves to flex it. I'll say that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool.
0: And I know we've been. As a man that, that turned in a few 4.0s himself. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah, you know. Nothing he gets expected. the green light. Like, if, see, if I,
1: if I didn't have that stat minor, now we'd be talking. Now I'd be cooking like a 395.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, Matt, do you want to quickly play a rest roulette tonight for the Yankees? I don't care about rest. Come on, guys. Hopefully, it's Glaber. Torres. Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks is out. Well, he's not he's resting. He
1: he's got uh <laughs> he's got da- uh, daddy
0: duties. He's, he's that's right. Fathering he, up. He's on a paternity list. Miguel Andujar was called up, so he's not in the lineup tonight. But we'll see if he's he's crushing in AAA. So maybe Miggy makes a comeback. But uh, with that, I hand it back to you. All
1: right. That that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, so stick stick around next week. We'll recut. We. Words are hard. Maybe you should close out the show.
0: Yeah, we'll recap the draft next week. Uh, I'm sure some more stories will come out with the, with the Nets because that's a, a group of people that don't like to keep their mouths shut. Uh, we'll talk some, some baseball as well. So we'll see you guys next week.